0: Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, educator, and vocalist currently based in Washington, D.C., Christine Dashfield. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today we have Christine Dash Lee. Wrong? Dashil, yes. Dashil. Okay. There are people who bet on this every episode, and I was wrong again. I messed up. Well, ma'am, can you please give an introduction about yourself
1: and then we'll get into it? Yes. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's always really nice when, you know, someone appreciates your music enough to, you know, highlight it. So thank you. Um, My name is Christy Dashiel. I'm a singer, composer, uh, teacher, lover of music. Um, I just released an album called Journey in Black, and um, it's just really an offering of my thoughts and my feelings and my music. So um, I'm really proud of it. That's that's me in a nutshell.
0: Okay. Well, ma'am, I just wanna say my friend who has this fancy sound system demanded me to come over. He played the album for me and I was just like, wow. It had me like the Vince McMahon memes. It was like a true modern vocal album because it was all original songs and it was independently owned. I was just like loving it. I was
1: loving it. Oh um, thank you. And thanks to your friend for sharing the music. Um yeah, you, it, it's definitely all an independent endeavor, which is not easy to do. So when people like appreciate the music, it feels really, really, really good.
0: Well, so what made you actually take this independent?
1: Um, You know, at the time that I was working on this music, I don't know that I had a plan. I just knew that I wanted to create this music that was on my heart, put it out and release it into the world. Um, and so it just seemed like the the right path for me was an independent release. I didn't have any, like, interest from labels. And so I was thinking, like, "There's, I'm not going to wait um, for someone to kind of, like, magically discover me to put it out. It just felt like the time was right and the best way to do it was put it out on my own. So, yeah.
0: No record labels wanted this project.
1: I did not and have not had any interest from labels. Um, I'm, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I know for me, it just, I wasn't going to wait for, you know, someone to kind of like magically discover this music or discover me because I felt like it was time to put it out.
0: Ah, you triggering my hatred mm-hmm. of the jazz world right there. This is literally, yes. I think I know it's early in the year. This should be at least nominated for a Grammy because compared to the, at least a lot of the vocals albums I've been listening to, but the Has few years they don't touch this i can honestly Mm. say that from your band from your music Mm. from your vocals and all that stuff so if no label touched it or wanted any interest with it yeah you guys are just giving me more no it's not you it's just me it's literally me saying like yo you guys just drop the ball all the time
1: (laughs) (laughs) i did not like reach out or shop it you know so who knows maybe if i had been more like uh aggressive in terms of how i like Presented it to people, maybe there would have been interest, but I, you know, it was nice to do it on my own and feel like, like, I don't owe anybody anything. This is something that I worked on, use my own resources, you know, to do. So that felt good. Okay.
0: Well, on the next one, if you get an offer and you choose to take it, hopefully it's the same quality and level. But yeah, people, you see, now she doesn't need you guys. And this is another thing. But if you get into airplay at least, because
1: Yes, it is. We've had a lot of success on the radio. Uh, it kind of snowballed. Like, I had, you know, some some uh, support in terms of radio play. And then, like, more people just started hearing it. And now folks are emailing me like, yo, you on XM Real Jazz. I'm like,
0: oh, that's nice. Uh, I go to tease XM now. Yes, but that is a good standard. <laughs> yes, yeah, SM, XM Serious. Yes, that's a great step. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but so... Question on it. What problems did you have actually getting it together, the album? Because your band is just yeah. great. And I don't know if you did it all in one set, if you had a budget issue you on that. Is it like they played and then how was it?
1: Yeah, so I, like, I did get a little bit of funding initially. Um, I applied for a grant during COVID, you know, so many of us did. And so part of the grant was I got to put a band together and rehearse Like do six rehearsals and then go into the studio and record a demo. The demo would become the album, but we did it in one, one session mostly. And then we did some overdub sessions. Um, like I had to do an organ session, some background vocals, a trumpet session. Um, but the bulk of the music was recorded in, uh, two days and I recorded it in Virginia, right outside of DC, which is where I'm, I'm based. Um, you know, and actually there were some challenges. Like it just felt like the um we had some external challenges like I got in a car accident on the way to rehearsal and then my bass player uh, his tire blew out on the way to the session and then you know, I left music one day and so we we had some of those kind of challenges, but like as far as the music and recording it, it was smooth. We really practiced a lot, we rehearsed a lot and we were all kind of on the same. Wavelength spiritually too, so I think it just all came together because we had really put our heart and intention into the music.
0: Okay, well, next thing I'll ask is your trumpet player that you had overdub. First of all, how do you know him?
1: Marquise Hill is a beast. Yes, yes, he uh, <laughs> he's a beast. We've uh. We've been like co-creators for a while. We did Jazz Ahead, Betty Carter's Jazz Ahead program mm-hmm. in 2010, I think. Um, so we kind of stayed, stayed connected since Jazz Ahead. And, um, like years later, we recorded a couple of songs together. I recorded some music on one of his first projects and then we did some other projects and, it took me a while to put music out but I knew whenever I did I wanted Marquise to be on it. So you
0: know. Did he kill that in one set? Just like oh yeah. Of course. I asked him like, "Hey, <laughs> that day, bro,
1: can you can you record? Not that day. It like it took a minute to set it up. But I was like, "Hey, do you think you could record some trumpet for me? I had just recorded some vocals for him too." And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, give me like give me a little bit. Give me a couple months." And then when he did it, he
0: he did it. He did yes, it. I agree. Mm -hmm. so the organ another thing I wanted to ask on that who was playing the organ?
1: Shedrick Mitchell who is like you know he's one of the greatest one of the greats you know one of the great organ players Um, I play in his band I sing in his band and we had been you know touring on and off for about a year and um, you know we had gotten so close because we were working together so much I just thought I kind of need some help with this album can you take a listen and you know, between him and my engineer, Charles Haynes, um, we just were like, yeah, a couple songs need organ. And then he, he just did it. OK,
0: well, at least on his yeah. second track, I freaking loved him on it, especially at the end, his build up.
1: <laughs> I asked him, well, what made you hear that? So like the second track is called Grief. Mm-hmm. I wrote about kind of the lost dreams, lost ones. Lost Hope, because I wrote it kind of while COVID was happening. I wrote it a little bit before COVID, but I finished writing it during COVID, during the lockdown. And I told Shadrick what it was about. And then, like, at the end, he just played, like, this benediction without me even, you know, giving him any, like, anything. And I was just like, "Where? how did you get to that? Like, where did that come from? How did that come out? And um, I know for me, it's really important to have musicians around me that like let the music flow through them and so you know seeing him do that just kind of it was inspiring and it also made me feel so loved because he took time to just like be present and in the music and let it flow in that
0: minute yeah lot. so at least on that track and people you need to listen to this album I don't want to ruin the whole thing but this song Pacific I just want to ask yourself a questions on so was it intended to be that long originally or was it one of those things where it was just building up and building up and building up and then, okay. I felt
1: that. I mean, it had a, it had a shape to it. Like, you know, I knew I wanted a drum solo in the middle that was slow and simmering and built. So, you know, the drum solo was always supposed to be, you know, extended, but the end and, you know, the organ kind of benediction thing that wasn't really intended. It just kind of happened. Um, Because everybody, I mean, by the time we finished that drink, we had to take a break. I remember recording that one and we were like, okay, we need like a 30-minute break after this. That was a lot. Okay. Like I said, that
0: was my favorite
1: track and I love it.
0: Uh, (laughs) And I'll ask about the first one, the track, because like I said, I want people to actually go out and listen and experience the whole album. So the Ancestry Folk song. So what was the motivation behind that one?
1: Yeah, that was, um, so during uh, 2020, my husband's grandmother died and she raised my husband, essentially, she and, you know, his aunties. And, um, and then 2022, my grandmother died. Um, and like, as my grandmother was transitioning, you know, she had dementia, so it was kind of a slow transition we got to see over the course of many years. But at the end, like in her last six months, I just kept going back to the piano and playing this like lament. And that's kind of where Ancestral Folk Song was born. At first it didn't have lyrics. And then after the death of both grandmothers, like I thought about how grandmothers and ancestors guide us and take care of us even from afar. I know some people don't believe that, but for me, my experience has been that. And so I wrote the song about how you know, ancestors are in us and part of us, and move through us sometimes. Okay, like I said, loved it. And does your husband play an instrument mm. by any chance? He produces. Um, we don't really work together that often. You know the dynamic. I understand that. I think
0: everyone understands that.
1: <laughs> 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 but, but he's very, you know, he's he's incredible. He like he's from Liberia, so he he writes a lot of. Um, or he produces a lot of music with some, you know, Afrobeat influence.
0: Anyone we would know?
1: Um, he's done some music for Kenny Lattimore in the past, but that's not some of his more recent things. But he is working on putting out music under his own name, which is Little African Boy. And okay, I'm proud of that. I checked yeah. that out also, ma'am.
0: And if he ever works with Tyler, yeah. please let me know. I- oh,
1: I will. Uh- he does have a song that went viral on TikTok. It's called Um. It's about Jollof Rice. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, who's got the best Jollof? Mm. Is it dun-dun-dun? Oh, dun, dun? Uh-huh. yeah. I mean, that song is is, is really dope. And me, you had all the people's, uh, they were really arguing like, no, nah, Nigeria got the best Jollof. Liberia got the, everybody knows Cameroon got it. The- so that that is a certified bop. <laughs> TikTok viral? It did. Okay. It went, well, okay, hold on, let me see. Wait, I don't have TikTok, I don't but do. I know it went, It went crazy on Instagram, and I'm assuming it went crazy on TikTok.
0: So, yeah. That thing will distract me too much. That's why I stay away from it. Okay. Me too. Me too. Me too. Now, the other things that I just want to question you quickly on because I knew you from the sing-off. Oh. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes. With Afro Blue. So, my whole thing on that is like, a, I think they cheated you. I still, I say it now. <laughs> the people who won that year are famous. I understand. Famous, 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 famous. I get sick of them every Christmas because that's like on repeat. But I still think they <laughs> treat, cheated you guys. And it is funny because you came after right after a guess that I was teasing about HBCUs, and it's like. We need more groups
1: coming out of HBCUs. I know, I know, I know, I know. So, what happened after the show? What, 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 why didn't you? You know, so it was 10 of us that went to Howard and sang in Howard's jazz vocal ensemble, Afro Blue. And with it being, you know, 10 people, it was difficult for all of us to get on one kind of collective. Page about where we were going and what we wanted to do. Like some folks, I know I at the time was wanting to go to grad school in New York and be a jazz singer. And then, you know, a couple of people wanted to do some background vocal work. And then some people, you know, wanted to focus on family. So what happened, long story short, is we just kind of couldn't really agree on where we wanted to go. And so, we you know, are all friends, but we don't make music together anymore. Not as a group. Boo. (laughs) We love each other and I I, I know if we were to come, if we were to come together and make some music, it would be really great because now we've lived life and we have, you know, we, the music would come from a different place, but you know, it just, I think it worked out for the best because it allowed us to all focus on the things that we wanted to do individually. Okay.
0: So what made you guys get together and how did you even get on the show?
1: Yeah, we um, we all were in the jazz vocal ensemble at Howard called Afro Blue. It's a class that all jazz voice majors have to take at Howard. And then some like, non-jazz voice majors will place into the ensemble, but it's the top vocal ensemble. And I think one of the producers of the sing-off um, knew us through a member of Take Six, um, and so they reached out and were like, "You guys should audition for the show." At the time, I-, I didn't know what the sing-off was, but um, they were like, "You should, re- you know, you should do this show. You should audition for it." We auditioned, and you know, a couple weeks later, we heard that we made it. And um, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think that we were supposed to advance as far as we did. Um, okay, why not? Yeah.
0: I mean, you finished fourth of them, correct, or third
1: yeah we did we fin- yeah we finished yeah did we finish third I think we finished third we did wow, I didn't even realize we we made it to the last episode before the finals um but you know i I think you know with these um reality t v shows, and at the time, you know, it was a lot of reality t v competition shows. Sometimes they're loosely scripted and they have an idea of who might advance. Um, And so I think, I mean, I don't want to divulge too much, but it seems that we weren't one of the people that they had kind of picked to
0: be. And you just uh, kept magically uh, moving on. Yeah.
1: It was like, it was kind of no contest as we kept singing and singing. It was like, these people are great. Like they...
0: Yeah, yeah she she said it not me <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know but I think it's it's kind of like a myth that's be that's I think people kind of know the fourth wall has been broken like most people know if you're doing a reality TV show there is some element of um they know what's gonna happen maybe not the full scope of what's gonna happen but they have an idea I think.
0: I got you I mean I at least it would have been nice if some of you if the group even split in two and the guys did their own thing and the girls did their own thing yeah. that would have been good enough for me but you guys are killing me man you had that type of thing you had that type of run with that type of talent and I was like come on give me a boy cement come on give me
1: something oh come <laughs> on <laughs> I mean so at one point we we were Afro blue and then we changed our name to traces of Glue, and we were like let's do this like we're gonna do this and we tried for a couple years and then you know people's level of commitment were just in different places so okay
0: boo but fair i understand that (laughs) Uh, so did this help you get the downbeat award or was it like before you got this because you won it that year i still remember that because here was with my group at the time, and I'm like, who the hell is this person? She won two of the awards. (laughs) And my bum-ass got only a mention. (laughs) That's incredible. Yes, I was just like, really, man? Come on. (laughs)
1: That's so good. Uh, Wait, so I won the Downbeat Awards. I think I was still in school. So this would have been before the sing-off. It was before Um, the sing-off, yes. Yeah, yes. I think maybe a year or so before this thing, off, I won a couple downbeat. Yeah, I know, just a yeah, couple, did. yes. A, a couple years, I, I forgot I won like two. Yeah, you see people, it meant <laughs> so little
0: to her. You see, and I make fun of downbeat all the time. You see, this is how the victor treats me. She's like, yeah, you know, that's small stuff in my life. I moved on to bigger, better stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get another oh, Grammy, no. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At the time though, downbeat meant, everything. Like, it meant everything. Now, it still means a lot. And at the same time, I'm getting to a place in my, you know, my journey as a person and an artist where I love when people give me great reviews and great awards. It means a lot to be acknowledged like that. And also, I'm going to make music kind of regardless. Um, So I try not to I try not to let that be my, um, I mean, it's a goal. Of course, everybody wants a Grammy. Everybody wants the downbeat award. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I would. I don't want that. And at the same time, if I never get it, like, I'm always going to sing. Always.
0: <laughs> I mean, I hope you would always sing. I'm just laughing at your reaction to it. It's like, eh, eh. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: that thing, the downbeat I, award.
0: I, well, <laughs> I also tease it also because even though I never won the award, I tell people, listen, being in that magazine ain't going to solve all your problems. The people who can't who won right. numerous Grammys that's come out and say that ain't going to solve all your problems.
1: Yeah, exactly. I guess that's where I am with it now. It's like I, I recognize there's so many people, you know, that don't get acknowledged by these publications or these awards. And it, they're great. They're greater than some of the folks that have been acknowledged. Um, so it doesn't always mean it doesn't mean everything.
0: Okay, that's fair. But like I say, and I mention it all the time, the biggest or most famous jazz singer in the world right now is a girl from Iceland. And people are not paying attention to her at all. Listen,
1: somebody told me about her yesterday, and I'm not aware of this person. Really? You never heard her stuff? Yeah, I'm... No, and I love... She's not. not... She's my age group, maybe that's why. Okay. This girl is huge. I don't know how I've missed this. I've been living under I guess I've been so focused on. No, I mean, you are doing projects so I'm not
0: going to tease you on it, but you know this hardcore yeah. I'm a listener or I uh, I'm a DJ for this station and I'm like, you don't know this person. Uh. I'm this those people are more like, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cuz I'm a big believer that we're dooming ourselves as jazz in general. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah it's only a matter of time before it disappears and we get replaced. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, I think I can see why you say that. I, I, I do think there is a new group of people that are making some really great jazz music or, you know, jazz, like, you know, I don't even know what jazz means right now or anymore, but I will say there are some people that would be considered jazz musicians that are like making incredible music. So I don't know if it's going to be, com- I don't know. It's hard to say because I know a lot of people say jazz is already dead. Oh,
0: I um, think it's already dead. We just didn't acknowledge it yet. <laughs> we didn't have the funeral. We didn't have the ceremony <laughs> and all that stuff. We're, we're clinging on. Yeah. You know what I mean? People don't want to. <laughs> and reasons why I say that is like there are no venues anymore. People don't want to see <laughs> live music.
1: <laughs>
0: and let's just use any artist you could think of that could actually sing, that could actually dance. Why is she going to have a band? People don't need the band anymore. They don't want to see a band.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And I also, I think that social media is kind of, um, it's a blessing, a gift, and a curse. Because in the age of virality, I don't even know if that's a word, but Viralness, Viral-ness. It's going okay viral. I make a lot of dumb Grandma <laughs> mistakes On the Viral-ness. show <laughs> Viral There's gotta be a word For like viral Whatever viral is But it's like People are like If it goes viral Then somehow it's good Like you know The way we kind of Measure things In our value system Is such that If the masses say It's good Then it is good And so you leave people That haven't been Acknowledged by the masses That are making Quality things and um, they're just kind of left in the dust. Um, and so then you have venues that aren't really wanting to support artists like me that doesn't have a million followers. They're like, yeah, you can sing, but your follower count is low. So unfortunately, you, you and can't. Like on pre- Instagram, your follower count is low? Yeah, like, you know, I have some like 6,000 followers. You know, for for a performer, that's like a very small number. Um, And so when you're when you're asking folks, can I be presented on these stages and they're like, you don't have any viral videos. Sorry. Next. So I I do think something has to change or this art form is going to continue to suffer.
0: Okay, what would you suggest or how would you like it to change? Because first of all, I would have a problem with people with six thousand followers not being able to get a gig.
1: I mean I think the emphasis needs to be less about numbers and more about what's moving but you know also is that even really I mean, you know you know this is it's everything at the end of the day has a bottom line so presenters as much as they want to produce good or you know produce music and people that make good music, they're looking at a bottom line. So I don't know what has to change. I think our value system has to change. And that's, that's, that's like going to be a major overhaul. Uh Okay.
0: Truthfully, I don't know how it's going to change. I don't know if it could change. All I know is that my friends that are popular artists, they struggle with their own set of issues. So honestly, I don't know, but I'm just curious because I just found out who your father was when I was looking you up. Oh. So, oh. if you want to talk about him first, but I just want to know, how did he take this
1: album? Yeah, 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 yeah. My, so, my dad is a bass player um, and educator. He played with, like, Maceo Parker. He played with Ray Charles. Um, a whole lot of people. And, I, you know, I got to see that growing up. So, I think that's why... Me and my siblings decided to make music because we saw our dad do it. Um, I think he's just really proud of me. He's really proud of us because I say us because my brother is playing drums on the album. And so I think he really feels good about the music we're making. He wasn't always so uh <laughs> he al- he wasn't always so free with his pride in us. He he was really hard on us. Um, you know, as kids he made sure that we understood the value of practicing and taking the craft seriously. So I think when he heard this album, he said to my mom, like, they don't even need me anymore. Like they're grownups. They are playing really (laughs) adult music now. Um, so that, you know, it's nice to hear him say that. Okay.
0: I mean, I don't know. Wait, so how was he taking it when you wanted to actually major music? Was he like, yay? Or was he like, eh, don't do that?
1: He was like, yeah, do it. But don't be, like, be serious. <laughs> like, don't be going in there playing around. So it was like a mixed reaction. It was like, do you really want to do this? Okay, if you want to do this, then you need to be practicing. You don't practice enough. You need to sing in tune. You don't sing in tune. I mean, <laughs> you know, he let me have it. Um and so- <laughs> It was just a really sobering kind of moment, like, okay, I gotta get serious about this. Not that I wasn't serious, I was always very serious. Well, but. You thought you were serious, but looking
0: back at it, were you really serious? Yes, I was oh, always okay. very serious. About the music, I could look back and honestly say, I had teachers that say you ain't serious, and looking back at it now, it's like, yeah, they're right. I was not really that serious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was always really serious because I felt like I had. You know, I I was in between two prodigies. My oldest brother is a prodigy and my youngest brother is a prodigy and I'm smack dab in the middle. And so I always felt like I got to prove myself like I'm not as good as they are. So I got a lot of work to do. i got to get in this practice. I mean, in defense of you, I mean, I'm not interviewing those two. So you. Well, that's true. (laughs) but And I think that part of my level of seriousness as the underdog has really served me well. As I kind of matriculated, because it made me just be like, I I gotta practice, I gotta shed, I gotta do this. It made me work hard.
0: I got you. <laughs> Still, so what you else? Know, some things. So I know one of your brothers was on the album. What was the
1: other one doing? He plays bass, um, but he, you know he he struggles with some um, like mental health kind of challenges. So he's not always able to play as consistently as he would like. I think. Okay, I feel you on that. Yeah.
0: But still, so it's not what's it called? The turtle and the hair? Yeah, you can still beat them all. Oh, just stay in, stay strong. And hopefully, this time next year, you're on stage accepting an award and then you can laugh at them. That's right.
1: I'm, I'm putting it in the atmosphere because, and anybody that's watching this on the Recording Academy, my album will be eligible for Grammys in 2025. So, holla at you, girl. <laughs>
0: At least get her a nominee or something. We'll see, unless something else comes out. That is that.
1: I imagine. Th- I mean, there are going to be some great vocal records that come out in the next year. We are, we know this, and I do think you know, I I would love to be on that ballot uh, next
0: okay. year. I really would. So when's the next one coming? <sighs> yeah, I'm. I'm fun. You're one of those people. I'm like, nah, don't do this now. Don't do this. Don't be comfortable. When's I the next me. one coming?
1: You're right. I do. Yeah. I took like seven years in between the first album and this one. And I know I can't do that this time. So I have some music that I've been working on that is almost ready to be recorded. So I think in, you know, a year, there will be another. There will be another. Okay. There will be
0: another. Any styled changes, band differences?
1: You're going to try to keep it the same? You're going to get someone new? Anything I should know? I I'm open to exploring. I love my band and they're pretty like steady. So they're always gonna be on my album. Even if they're not on the whole record, they always gonna be on half half of the album. Um I, I am exploring some new sounds though. Um like I have a single that is kinda R and B that I wanna release. Oh, so we, I'm
0: a little nervous. We gotta let it see in the making people. <laughs> She's gonna be like, Yeah, I ain't making enough money over here. <laughs> Let me go join Robert and make some pop songs. That's right.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, I love singing jazz. Jazz is my heart.
0: No, you need to go where and the money is. I, I, you can say whatever you want. She goes back to Blue Note every now and then and perform, and I watch her, but the truth is, yeah. you're going to make your money. Nah,
1: nah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and also, I, sometimes it's not even about making money. It's about you know, I, I've never, I'm a jazz singer for like through and through, or, you know, I don't know what jazz is, but I'm a singer that sings music that has improvised elements in it. Um, always. And at the same time, I grew up listening to soul music, to R&B, to hip hop, to everything. And so you know, I don't want to betray myself and box myself in for the sake of, you know, some sort of like a uh, purity or purist sort of thing. I, I want to be true to myself, which is I'm nuanced. I'm kind of layered and complicated, and so is my music.
0: Um, but what would be purest for jazz? You're going to start singing ragtime songs?
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to do straight, uh, <laughs> <just> nothing but <laughs> medium <meteor> swings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Honeysuckle sucker, a whole record of Honeysuckle Rose. Um No, yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Purist is kind of like, what is purist? But I think there is this feeling sometimes that we can't be influenced by other things. And like somehow if if we lean into the other influences that we have, we're not a real jazz musician or whatever. And I don't believe that. Okay, no problem on that. I'm not trying to beat up on you. No, I, I I like the questions because they're, you know, these are, it's thoughtful and, you know, the music is thoughtful. My music is thoughtful. We are thoughtful people. The appreciators of this kind of music are thoughtful. So, you know, we got to think about what we're saying. Okay. So what is the
0: biggest problem you had putting this together?
1: The biggest problem I had putting this music together is lack of funding lack of resources like you know as I get more insight into the industry I realize that it's many people that kind of make this thing go round and sometimes the thing that stands between an artist like me and a more well-known artist is like a team money and just visibility and so for me that's kind of been one of the 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 bigger challenges is I just don't have enough money. I'm an independent artist, I'm a teacher. I got a regular, regular life that includes a mortgage and a doggy and all you know, all kind of expenses. And I'm also trying to invest in myself. And sometimes I just don't have enough. <laughs> so that's been my biggest challenge. Okay. I
0: mean, trust me, I understand the whole independent putting it all together, but hopefully yeah. you reinvested all this money into the next album because I want more like this.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I will. That's my plan. You know, okay. What do people
0: not understand? At least coming from academia and actually doing an, a project. What don't they get? Because at least you had some
1: national exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I'm not going to lie and act like no one has ever, you know, I definitely have some exposure for sure. Um, I think, you know, because I'm in education and I teach college students and I'm also a, like a performer that's in the thick of like the music in my career. I think there's a disconnect in like what's real and what's not. You know, a lot of a lot of students, at least in, in on that side of academia of this generation are really focused on, again, social media and how things look in terms of how we go viral in this. And they sometimes think that is real and in a way it is. But just because you go viral doesn't mean you're all of a sudden going to be a superstar because the market is really quite oversaturated. So that's one of the things I try to get to, you know, get them to understand is like, yeah, invest in your social media presence because that is important, but also like do the work, you know. You got to sing your scales just as much as you have to post on Instagram. Like, you know, it's not one or the other. They, you know, you have to do, you got to put in the work on all sides. And then from like the, you know, administrative side in academia, I think hmm. sometimes, you know, the older you get, you can become like bitter and disgruntled. And sometimes that affects how academia and the jazz kind of teaching is being taught and delivered.
0: Okay, tell me, maybe I'm disgruntled and negative and all that stuff. Go, what do you
1: mean? No, 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 I don't I don't think you are. I think sometimes in like jazz teaching specifically um there's this feeling that if you veer outside of the lines, you're not jazz enough. And that's something that I really try to resist and really try to encourage my students to explore all kinds of sounds. But if you're in school for jazz, like let's let's learn jazz. Let's learn the tradition and also like be expansive, you know, because um, at least that's how I've tried to to make music. Um And then there can be this element of just, like, you know, your teachers can just be so bitter with the things that have happened in their own careers that they're not able to, like, freely share. And um, then it creates, like, a disconnect between student and teacher. I think that's what I see.
0: My honest opinion on that, even though I agree with you, is a lot of them are bitter because they didn't make it. And now they're in the universities teaching.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you, you can't expect that that doesn't trickle down into your teaching. You
0: know? No, I've seen it trickle down. That's why I clearly say that. And it's just like this group is having or this student is having a little bit of success that I never had or I think I'm better than. Oh, they, yeah. That student, I, I swear you see it change.
1: <laughs> it happens all the time. I mean, and I think as teachers, we just have to like watch that 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 part of us I think it's in all of us like if you have a really good student that challenges you and is really good and pushing you you're like oh wait a minute hold on It like it's like it's a mirror back on yourself so I mean it happens all the time I see it happen quite often
0: okay so my problem also is and like I said you can tell me if I'm wrong and I know I say this all the time people but it's like Aren't they overcharging for some of these people to go to the conservatories?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with uh, jazz music or, or, or learning any kind of art form. College is cool. College is great. University level study is great. And we know that, you know, jazz music is a tradition that was not... You know, it's more like a, an oral tradition. Most people had a mentor or apprenticed in somebody's band, and that's kind of how they learned the music. Um, so, you know, when you look at the cost of, of going to school, I mean, everybody knows these things are astronomical. Um, but then I get so, yeah. upset
0: at the older generation, the one night before us, and it's like, how come none of you have a mentor band? Like, come am not really going into the jazz clubs because they love to say, oh, and then when I was growing up, they were always in and out of the jazz clubs. And I'm like, so why aren't you in and out of the jazz club?
1: Well, I think part of that is because they don't see themselves as the older generation. You know oh, how we stop. are as we get older. I think so. No, I, I think so. I think sometimes some of the greats don't recognize that you are now in that position of elder. So it's like, you kind of have to invite so If you're 60 plus,
0: you really don't think you're one of the old people in the jazz world. I I, I think, can't get my mind around that. I'm sorry. If I go to our Taylor Swift concert, I'm going to be the old
1: person mm-hmm. there. It's mainly for teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think <laughs> you recognize that you're older. And also I think age sometimes and being in a, being a jazz musician, being an artist who's always kind of feels young, I think it takes you a minute to realize, like, the Herbys, Herbie's still alive, but the Waynes, the, um, who's one of the greatest that just passed? Um, Chick? Um, well, okay. A Jay, Clayton, <laughs> Jay, Jay Clayton just passed. You forget that these people have now gone on to glory. Okay, I and agree, like the, but we could just use any one of those that you named. How many of them mm-hmm. had a band?
0: And they were going to Manish School of Music or Eastman School of Music, whatever one you want to say, Juilliard, picking up some kid or two, putting them in a big band Mm. and giving them a few gigs for the summer. So they have something going for yeah, the most yeah. part, they, that's have, a good point. they have their quintet. It's the same quintet for yeah. the past 20 years and they go on yeah. the gigs and then they'd be like, well, young people don't seem to be in the jazz circuit. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. No, that's
1: a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree with that. They don't really kind of reach and pull us in. Um, yeah. I, from that standpoint, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And I think... Um, I see Herbie Hancock is trying to do that more now. I mean, now, like but look has- who, I, I love Herbie, but look who
0: he had on the stage <laughs> the last time. These people been known for like 15 years. Yeah. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. You're telling me there's no prodigy in all the music colleges in this country. And you yeah. don't even have to be long. You take them out for two weeks.
1: You give them four gigs in those two weeks. Yeah. I, I, That's true. I, don't get that. I mean, you just, yeah that's true I do think that is a missing kind
0: of art form. Um I just think a lot of them just don't think about it they're selfish or they're afraid they're gonna get outstaged
1: Ooh, I said the it the outstage. outstaged the outstage. the outstaged and I can tell
0: you off the air some of these older people who play and it's like you have a younger person oh this younger person is so much better oh I'm just gonna pretend he doesn't exist therefore my gigs keep coming <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you're a band leader and you taking the reins and being the front man, you have to understand there's so much ego involved in that act in and of itself. So, you know, none of these old heads are, um, they're not free from ego or the things that come from ego. Like, I, we all have it. Like, all of us. Sometimes when we see a young person kill them, we're like, dang. Ugh. I mean, can I still sing that? No, I mean, I think it's a natural <laughs> thing. But the issue that I have is that even if that comes up, there should still be some part of you that like gives young people space to you know be highlighted.
0: Okay, since so you're vocalist, we'll give it an easy example of that, and it's very hard to find that clip on the internet. So they had like this gospel night or black singers out or R&B singers out a few years ago. And on the stage was, mm-hmm. like, Beyonce, Celine Dion, Aretha Franklin. Oh. <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, Carrie. All of them came after who? Aretha. And guess who won at the end? And she clearly won. It's like, is like, why is this young person trying to step to me? And Aretha Who's just it? went Dang. down the line. All of them just kept coming up. And she just, and Mariah has five actives. Legit. <laughs> it went gospel. That's what happened. The band went gospel. And then Aretha just... Everyone's just like, mm hmm. And that's why she's th- the queen. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's people. why she's
1: the queen and will always be.
0: The people that everyone's like, oh, la, la, oh, man, she's so good at it. No, nah. no, nah. nah, nah. I love her stuff. Yeah, but nah.
1: <laughs> that's how you get people interested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for some people. <laughs> oh, you know it. I mean, for one. You know, <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, hands down. I'm not even afraid to say that. Aretha ate the people hands down. She ate and left no crumbs, as my students be saying. And I think that some people just have it and it doesn't matter who stands against them or beside them. They just have it. It doesn't it doesn't even matter. Age, you know, it's kind of like an ageless thing. Like if you got it, you got it. And you got to give it up to whoever. Well, that's why I
0: said, like, if you're that good, man, mm-hmm. and you think you're that, if you want to be the front man of jazz, and what's it going to say? Mm-hmm. I'm the front man of percussion and drumming, which I'm not. Let's make that clear, people. Mm-hmm. I am not. Because there's some people, I can name 10 people off the top of my head that would destroy me. Okay. I am going to do it. I'm going to be like, no, no, we're going to do the Buddy Rich thing. That's right. Put me on stage with Art Blakely, and let's do this drum off. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's Get true. People interested. And also at the same time, remember when Aretha did that interview of um, where she, you know they went down the line and they asked her, "What do you think of this person and this person and this person?" And you know, she said what she had to say. I think she was aware of the young people that are were great, though. I don't. That's think what it was, was beautiful. Like, she acknowledged
0: them. Yeah. She knew who they were. <laughs>
1: She did, but you in that interview, she she.
0: But she knew who they were. It wasn't like she said, "I never heard of that person." Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. She got it going. She got it more entertaining. Uh, a good yeah, example she knew of who they another were. Another example of that that I give is, I know it's like taboo to bring this up, but I don't care. Is the whole Miles Davis Winton when Winton went on the stage and started playing it again, yeah. Miles. And you could say yeah, whatever you did. want. There's a reason why Winton's still probably the face man in terms of your tr- as trumpet. You could choose who won that day, but this man went on the stage and just started blowing against one of the greatest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He did. And so I guess you so what you're saying is that is a, a competition, drama. This all this is boring. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the average jazz outside person thinking about jazz, yeah, that's nice, it's boring.
1: Well, yeah, I do think I do think the outside people that listen to jazz, they because you know when we play jazz music, sometimes we solo and we do, you know, we, it's it's a lot for people who aren't really jazz lovers to understand. They're like, what? I don't know what they're doing. It just sounds like no's. Um
0: I you, I don't know I, if that, I, I can give another example of that. Mm-hmm. So, Andre 3000 releases a jazz album. Yes. I'm not sure if you heard it.
1: I've heard something. Okay, of I it. heard it. I'll be I was, the first one to say. I yeah. thought it was crap. Yeah, I
0: wasn't but guess to what? To them. I still, when he, I realized he sold out the Blue Note, eight shows in a row, I found a way to get in there. And I listened. Mm-hmm. First of all, I never saw the place that full. I never saw the place that diverse in terms of age, race, and anything. And actually hearing him play live with the flutes and everything, it was actually good. But it was free jazz. It was open.
1: Mm.
0: So there were some people there, if you're watching the crowd, because where I was sitting, it was in the back upper deck of it. You saw the reaction from the people. There were some people clearly vibing and loving it. And there were some people who weren't getting it at all. But the fact that he was able to get a completely different set of people in there, introduce them and welcome them into the space,
1: and a lot of them Mm. actually liked it. Yeah. I got to give him credit for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, he's an entertainer, so he understands how to draw people in. Well, he's not limiting himself. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I do like about certain artists.
0: They're like, yes, I'm known for, in his case, he even said it, like rap. But I wanted to do this and I welcome him for doing it and actually hearing him perform live. It was great.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it kind of takes me back to, you know, when I was talking about, you know, how sometimes in school we want to limit our students to straight ahead and this and that. But like you can't let those kinds of things keep you from expressing and being free. Oh. And and you see, sometimes when you get caught up in the I'm a singer, I'm a play jazz only, you miss an opportunity to like invite people into the music you know, because we sometimes jazz can be so like, no. I'm a solo for 20 minutes da, 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 okay. da, and not really care about the audience.
0: If you're doing that, you're just killing <laughs> even the people there. Yeah, even the jazz yes. lovers. You're like, and second, I'm like, yeah. how many straight ahead gigs are there really?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. How many straight ahead gigs? I haven't really done a whole lot of straight ahead gigs in a long time. Um, But, like, if you think about when people are in, you know, jazz clubs, folks go because they're like, oh, it's a cool thing to do on a Monday night. Let's go to a jazz club. And sometimes they don't really know the artist. And then they're just kind of there talking and drinking and doing their thing and hanging out. And um, then they have the background music of somebody going in, you know, for a five chorus solo. And people don't want to hear it's just no days, real
0: so, exchange yeah. but I also tell yeah. people point I mean, point, I, you want to know how the quickest way not to get a second date go to a jazz club <laughs>
1: they ain't been in one of my shows I'm gonna say okay that they ain't
0: been in your show I understand <laughs> <laughs> I am batting zero on second dates when I went to jazz clubs the girl thought oh this is gonna be nice gonna be romantic and then I never get a call back just telling people trust me it ain't just small names it was some big names too and i knew the people so it isn't like they didn't get special treatment or anything it's just like nah don't do that
1: (laughs) we're not doing that we ain't doing well yeah i mean I, i i definitely can say that sometimes as jazz musicians we don't consider that the audience is an important part of the music. I mean, they're the people that listen to it and buy it and come to our shows. Not saying like you need to sell out for an audience. You need to just completely not be true. And, you know, you need to somehow turn into something that you're not, but we do have to be like engaging, you know,
0: I, at the bare minimum would expect them to be engaging. Mm -hmm. I'm, like I said, man, there's a lot of that that just gets me going like, uh like, can I get a sing-off with you and Dowie? Because Dowie has a great Apple Beats, like, jazz album. <laughs> we could just have you two go at it one-on-one. That would get me people are interested in it. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm here for it.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, so at least, well, you're in D.C. mainly. The state of jazz overall. Since I want to say you graduated. Has it at least mm-hmm. got? Has it remained the same, at least, or has it been on a decline? Well,
1: I think for a few years it was like this. Um, I mean, and then COVID happened, and you know, clubs shut down, and just like support for the music kind of went really waned. I have been inspired in the last couple of years because it feels like. People are playing some really good music, and coming to the music from a really informed place. So I think the state of jazz now is what we make it. You know, it's like I don't want to be one of those jazz musicians that's always like, "Oh, jazz is that." A... With the young folks need to. Do, I don't want to do that because it's like, what what good comes from that if we don't like kind of help move it in the direction we want it to be in you know to your point of apprenticeships happening again or you know just like more exchange even c- talking like conversations like this you know where you just talking you you know politely or agree to disagree i mean at least there's a an exchange happening and i feel like if we don't open up um space for these kind of things to happen we're going to be in a bad place and if we kind of don't bridge the gap between generations, it's just not going to. I mean, well, it's, it's always not with that. Yeah. Um, I want to see more of that because there's always this us against them. And I, I don't think anything thrives when it's like tribal like that. Um, okay. I mean, so to answer your question, what, do do I feel this the state of jazz has declined since I've been out of school? I think it, you know, is on an upswing now. Just in terms of, you know, some of the young people that are playing the music. Okay.
0: Like I said, I hopefully it's around in thirty years. Hopefully, I still get great independent albums like yours. If not, signed to a big label, because mm-hmm. like I said, all your labels and some of you listen drop the ball on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Help my girl get a bigger budget for her next album.
1: Come on. <laughs> Budget. Yes, that'd be great. Listen. She has the but band. If she I has don't. the
0: talent. I just want to know what she could do if she had some of these other people's budgets. And me lowballing mm. it or oh, highballing it maybe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it costs less than 10 20k, right? Uh it probably cost around. Okay. That. Um, and you know, for an
1: independent artist, that's no, that like 20k that's a, yeah. ain't no
0: joke. I can only tell you how much yeah. some of these people get, and it doesn't sound Anywhere near as good, so the same people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's like I can do it on my own, because I've seen that I'm I was able to do it on my own and get some traction. But I I don't want that to have to be my story forever.
0: <laughs> I feel you. Trust me on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well,
0: ma'am, I'm not gonna beat up on you I like that. Uh so can you tell the people? Your website, your social media, where to find you when the vinyl comes out? Because yes. I want an autograph vinyl. I said it on the air.
1: You'll, you'll be one of the first. One of the first. I remember. Vinyl is on its way. Um, and I'm in the process of revamping my website. It's sort of under construction now. Um, but I plan to have a, a store where you can purchase vinyl and CDs. My site is christy-gill.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at Christy Dashiell, Facebook Christy Dashiell, and Twitter or whatever it's called, X. I don't really use very much, but um, my two active ones are Instagram and Facebook.
0: Okay, that's fair. Well, ma'am, thank you for joining. It was an honor. And everyone, thank you. Everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you and have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.